Welcome to Radar Contact, the air traffic management podcast by Fox ATM. Hello, everyone. Today we have a guest from Portugal. Marcos Costa is the member of Corporate Strategy and External Affairs at NAF Portugal. This is the Portuguese ANSP. Welcome, Marcos. Thank you very much. And thank you on behalf of NAF Portugal for your kind invitation as well. Quite thrilling to be here. The topic today is cooperation between ANSPs and we will look at Portugal's perspective on this matter. So the level of cooperation in air traffic management has been increasing in, in the last decades. So what does this mean concretely for NAF Portugal? Well, firstly, we have to, to take into account that our Portuguese airspace is quite huge, actually. We're talking about 5.4 million square kilometers of airspace, an Atlantic area and a continental area. So we have neighbors such as Canada, USA, Cabo Verde, Spain, Morocco and the UK, to name a few. So And when you try to establish a common line between all these countries, it's always a bit difficult. And cooperation, as you said, uh, now more than ever, due to the reasons we all know, unfortunately, has been taking a role key in our day-to-day -day work. For example, we have uh, established several working groups to really take care of this cooperation, to strengthen this cooperation. We have a group that comprises Algeria, for example, Spain, France, Morocco, Portugal, of course, and Tunisia. And this is a working group to develop common strategies, common goals, common projects. And to be aware of the importance of this group, we even got a special mention award from the Single European Sky in 2019 in the area of cooperation. So it's very rewarding for us to see that this work has been recognized. And besides this group, we also have our annual airspace users meeting that are very useful to scratch the surface. What our airspace users have, what are their issues and everything. Yes, it's quite true. Collaboration and cooperation is indeed very, very, very important. And I would just say that we can't do anything alone, almost. So we have to count on with each other. And airspace is about it. Uh, it's about integration, about going from Portugal, for example, to Brussels. A single system, everything is integrated. We all have direct routes, thanks to the cooperation between our stakeholders. And yes, it's quite true what you said, Elena. It's uh, cooperation and collaboration are a key tool for today's affairs for what we do as an ANSP. And this is quite the same for, for the rest of Europe. On a particular topic, we also have what we call our uh, technical platform for cooperation, but more directed to the Atlantic part of our airspace. So Angola, Brazil, Cabo Verde, and São Tomé e Príncipe, we usually have a meeting every year or every two years. We are still trying to, to arrange this. We've had two or three meetings with them, and it's always good to establish new bonds to strengthen our relationship and to find common grounds for cooperation. So the cooperation between ANSPs, being it an alliance or a consortium or under specific association, is, is a reality, as, as you say. So what is your general thought on the actual results of such uh, strategies? I believe you're referring to, to our coupons alliance. This has been a strategic and, quite honest, also a political issue, but a good issue, not a bad issue. Uh, because, as you know, we are a public corporate entity, so... Our government is our main stakeholder. So both sides are always 
present the political side and the strategic. On this particular level, this alliance will allow us to, to face the future with a more strengthened view. Within this alliance, we have Austria, Croatia, uh, Denmark, Ireland, and Sweden, and now Portugal. And the main takeout from this alliance is that we have a common system, for example. It's good because it creates synergies and scale economies. And we also have a more uh, powerful uh, voice within other air navigation services providers and other European institutions. It's been a, a huge and a very bold step from, from NAV Portugal to apply to be a member at the Coupons Alliance. These days, it's quite important to, to be surrounded with a large field of expertise, with people that actually know and are into air traffic management. And we can create synergies around this. I think this will evolve from year to year. The, the air traffic management will be offered as a service and there will be a, a competition in a few years, I believe. It will no longer be a monopoly service, but it will be like it is today. But it will be, for example, for CNS, for communication, navigation and surveillance. This is what the European Commission is intending as well, to put all of this into a, a competition architecture. So this alliance will allow us to face this challenge with a more strengthened approach. And I believe this is the, the, the really main idea that we take out uh, of this alliance. If you face, for example, what's happening today with U-Space, uh, U-Space will be a, a, an airspace dedicated for drones. And well, this, this will be uh, based on a competition architecture. You will have several companies applying for several services in several countries and not as a monopoly as it happens today with their navigation services. So I would, yes, say most probably in a medium to long term, we will see some heavy competition. I mean, who knows, NAV Portugal may be providing services elsewhere and the other way around. Uh, NAV Portugal controls a lot of oceanic airspace. Uh, you have also cooperation outside of Europe. Uh, what are your partners and what are the challenges of working with NSP thousands of miles apart? Today, thanks to technology, that thousand of miles apart becomes, I mean, inches, centimeters, whatever, from the Atlantic, from our Portuguese-speaking countries, for example, Angola, Brazil, Cabo Verde, Santo Mé, Príncipe. With this technical platform I was uh, telling you about, it's quite easy to, to overcome sometimes several hurdles that may, may arise. And especially concerning training, we usually have a good cooperation with these countries and we kind of provide training for, for these countries, but very specific and tailored training. They almost tells, tell us what they would like when we just adapt our training to, to their needs. So this is quite useful for them as for us because it's a, it's a twofold learning process. And well, the rest, it's a common use airspace. So we have to maintain good relationship with our partners that are thousands of miles away. And we usually take advantage of meetings of Eurocontrol, for example, or ICAO to, to talk to, to them, to understand what's happening. And of course, we have dedicated meetings and dedicated groups like the one I told you about, AEFMP, that has Algeria. And then you have the organizations such as the Civil Air Navigation Services Organization that combines almost 86 air navigation services providers. And that is a wonderful way of, well, trying to, to combine efforts, to arrange new projects, common projects. And this is how we uh, manage these kind of relations thousands of miles away. 
And how did you manage to do the training services in these conditions that we have at the moment? Uh, did you do it virtually? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, I'm afraid that the training from 2020 to now has been put into a halt now. So, but before, I mean, we they would come to Nav Portugal, they would stay here for one week or two. We offered our training, but it kind of happened some, some years ago also uh, that we actually sent some uh, colleagues, some technicians to other countries so that they could provide the training over there because of uh, limitations from that part. But our in-house training, because we have our own training center at NAF Portugal, it's used mainly for operational purposes, but also to, to non-operational staff like me, for example. But the, this last year, I'm quite unfortunate to say that we haven't provided online training. One of the things that this uh, pandemic has taught us is that there is no distance, actually. If you have a computer, have a good internet connection, then you can have it all. Of course, it's different in person. So considering your, your long-lasting collaboration with the, the Portuguese-speaking ANSPs, how have you achieved to maintain it and uh, strengthen it uh, throughout the years? Well, that's a very interesting question. And for historical reasons, of course, our relationship is quite good. We have achieved several milestones or whenever they want to visit us to know how NAV Portugal is going or whenever we have some common projects that are about to, to be implemented, uh, we always have a specific, a particular attention to, to these countries, of course. Not just because they, they, they are Portuguese-speaking countries, of course, but because of the long-lasting historical relationship with them. So we try to invite them for several uh, events. And also, I believe through ICAO, we sometimes have some sort of side meetings, for example, but generally specific meetings for strengthening uh, our relationships. And now even with, with the, the improvement of these new technologies has been much easier now than it was before. And we always welcome them. They always welcome us whenever we feel there is a need for that. It's quite interesting, actually, because you have Portuguese-speaking ANSPs in almost all corners of the world, in East Africa and West Africa. Then you have across the Atlantic in Brazil. Yeah. And you also have in Asia and East Timor. So it's quite stretched out. Uh, yes, the, uh, actually, East Timor is one of the cases I was telling you about. One of those cases that we sent colleagues from the operational area to East Timor to, to Delhi to help them to implement their, all of the services at the airport. I remember this was in 2008 or five or something around there. And we established a very serious protocol with East Timor to the training of personnel, of operational personnel. And I remember they, they told us that it was quite a challenge because it, they were just building up their infrastructure. We have our expertise and we are quite keen to, to help other members or to provide assistance to other members, as we will always be, of course. So then what would be your tip to someone new to, to this domain where, where you are working and uh, who is wanting to look for new partnerships in our domain? One of the things that if someone wants to, to be on board at traffic management is that aviation is a highly regulated environment. For almost anything, there's a regulation. If you want to, to put a new screen on your uh, control working position, for example, Okay, you have to say to, to perform a safety assessment, for example, to see what are the, the changes you are going to apply into the system and what are the results. 
Will that be a safety hazard, for example? Uh, I mean, there's a, a myriad of things you have to take into account. So the first one is regulation. You, you must be prepared to spend a lot of hours reading thousands of pages from regulations to get your company. Then you have the certification process that is always a bit burdensome. But this would be one of the, the first things I would say to someone entering here into the ATM business. And of course, uh, being a monopolistic environment, you would have to be very, very careful about where would you provide the service unless this a particular member state would put these services into competition. That's one thing. But for example, in Portugal, I think there wouldn't be any chance for... There wouldn't actually because it's a monopolistic service. But this would be the, the first, I would say, the first hint, the first suggestion I would give to someone going into ATM. The challenges would be this. Uh, this would be the first, the first challenge. And the second challenge would be the so-called di digitalization wave that is going on. It's a very, very fast-paced environment, firstly. Uh, you have lots of things to take into account. And you have the technology that, come on, is evolving way, way too much faster than actually the institutional framework can go with it. Because you have solutions, then you have regulations. And sometimes uh, regulations don't quite follow what industry is doing. So this is quite difficult to, to grasp and to, to monitor. These are the two main suggestions I would make. Thank you, Marcos. And at the end, uh, we have a question that we ask all of our guests. So mm -hmm. how do you see ATC in the next five years and then also in the next 50 years from now? Five to 50, very well. So in five years, I think we'll, we will uh, witness some developments around digitalization, automation, artificial intelligence, and so on. We will have, from my point of view, a closer approach to cooperation and collaboration because it will be, it's like we said on the beginning, it's going to be a tool, a very efficient tool to, for us, for any NSP to, to be efficient. So in five years, I won't see many changes in what we do today unless there is a huge leap in digitalization. Concerning the, the, the other way, charging schemes, how things are going to be charged and navigation charges will be the same. I think so because it's a, a well-proven uh, system that is, is implemented since a long time ago. And who knows, maybe there will be a competition framework uh, more noticeable than it is now because it's a monopolistic model now and we are going for a competition market. This is what I think in five years. Now, if you ask me in 50 years, well, I think the word is automation in 50 years. We will, we will always have the human factor. We can't just go without the human factor. We are at the center of everything. And then we have AI, blockchain, all those new uh, technologies that will help us to cope with the increasing demand of traffic. Because before the pandemic, the, the air traffic was growing, growing, growing quite fast. And then suddenly this came to a halt, but now it's picking up again. And we, uh, in 50 years, I would see there will be a lot of automation. I would say less people at air traffic control centers, for example, because some of their main tasks will be performed by computers, for example and a highly digitized environment. And most of 
the ancillary services, well, for example, audits, uh, finances, and training, everything will be, from my point of view, will be mostly through here, like we are doing right now. It'll be, everything will be automated, it'll be via computer, and the physical presence, I believe, will be shortened, and the digitized presence will increase awfully, awfully a lot. So in 50 years, well, digitization and artificial intelligence will rule the ATM. I would, I would definitely, not surely, of course, but I would say it's highly probable that this is going to happen. Thank you so much, Marcos, for sharing your views on these topics and being our guest. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Lynn. Have a nice day. Thank you. This was Radar Contact. Visit foxatm.com or your favorite podcast platform for more.